I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Featured Anime Podcast. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm Rick. And today's choice was uh, chosen by Tobayashi067 on Twitter. And it was, welcome to Demon School, Iruma-kun. It came out. 2019 October and ended fairly recently and relative to when we're recording this March 7th 2020 uh it ran for 23 episodes long producers are NHK NHK Enterprises studio of Bandai Namco Pictures with the genres of comedy demon supernatural fantasy school and shonen, and I would actually even kind of classify this as an isekai. Um, I don't, I don't know that I would go with isekai. He's technically teleported to another world, so I mean, you could make that argument, and I, I will very lightly, very, very, very lightly touch on that. I, will, I won't argue that point. He is technically in another realm rather than another world but yeah i can see uh, i can see how that parallel could be placed so a little history on this whole thing i actually started watching this when it came out i was intrigued and did not have the pleasure of being able to binge watch it like you did yeah well that's uh that sounds like a personal issue not really i was able to enjoy it thoroughly and have the suspense there was there was a few episodes that it makes you think like it gives you a week to mull over what's going on and stuff like that. And I thought it was really awesome that a few episodes were, I would call them cliffhangers to an extent, but it kept you, it kept your imagination going. For instance, the uh, dodgeball tournament, I guess not even tournament, but uh, trial, if you will, um, where he had to try to level up that way. I thought that was really awesome. It was, prior to uh, the actual event. Yeah. And um, what's interesting and, and how we actually get to this point is Iruma-kun is a human and he is sold by his parents to this demon, uh, basic Sullivan. Sullivan, this demon, uh, one of the top three over all demons ever. Basically, the top only top three demons are there. So now I'm going to skip ahead only to reference back. It's going to it'll make sense. The reason that Sullivan takes on Iruma is because he's jealous of the other two demons. The other two of, I would say, equal standing. What is kind of cool is every demon has a rank and the demon king is at the very top. And that throne has been vacant for quite some time. And we later find out that while Sullivan is in the running for being like put on the throne because he doesn't want it. And you find out the other two characters who are incredibly powerful and and on his level um, don't want it either. 
because it'll take time away from their grandchild. And one thing I thought was kind of cool was even though Sullivan is powerful enough to take the throne, uh, his rank is actually lower than the other two by choice because he, I guess, doesn't care. He doesn't. So the rankings for them is one through 10, one being weakest, 10 being strongest. And the other, even the other two demons that are talking to Sullivan even say, you totally could be the 10th rank if you want to. Why don't you? And he's like, man, I, I just don't want to. Gives him more freedom. But um, so the reason that he goes to the human world to, to get Irima is to have a grandchild. And it's quite hilarious because the other two are like, I think it's time. We need to find out once and for all. Who's got the cutest grandkid? And they look at Sullivan and go, since you don't have a grandkid, you can be a neutral party. Which one of our kids is cuter? And he goes, well, actually, <laughs> I've got one who's just as cute now. Yeah. And so it becomes like a three-way battle of who's got the cutest grandkid. And it was, it, it was a beautiful way to relieve a stressful situation. Because prior to this, you're shown just dark, brooding figures. And in the way that things are going, you can just almost feel the tension in the room whenever they enter the room. And it's because of all of their subordinates. I don't know if they're intentionally scared of them or like, I don't get it. But when they're alone, they're complete goofballs. Well, they're they're goofballs regardless. Most of the time, at least from what I can tell. And the same thing with uh, Sullivan when it comes to Irumakun. He is a doting grandparent even though he's technically not a grandfather and the other two even comment on that yeah they're like hey you cheated he goes no no it counts he said i could be his granddad and uh, that's what we're going with <laughs> honestly how how it really starts off with and how you're introduced to irumakun is it's really kind of like okay we're going to go on this journey. He's going to be sent to this demon world and he's going to go through his normal adventures. And if you're expecting something to be uh, funny or, or adventurous or lighthearted all the way throughout, it's not really that, especially towards the later half. Yeah. I think that they probably weren't expecting this to be popular. The, the artist was not expecting this to, to, to go on. And I think the second uh, season, while I personally found it to be stimulating mentally, I don't think they were expecting it to, to go that far. Um, mainly because there was a trope that they were playing on really, really hard about Irima. He does not have the ability to say no. If you ask him something, his default answer is yes. And that's because of the way his parents treated him. For, I, I don't know how, how he got to this mentality, but in his mind, if he wasn't useful, he wasn't worthy. And so if you asked him to literally do anything, he would say, okay, which is what happened in the contract with, between him and his grandpa, Sullivan, <laughs> his, his now grandpa, Sullivan. Sullivan goes, hey, would you like to be my grandkid? And originally he's like, not really. But then Sullivan goes, I really want you to be my grandkid. Would you mind? And he even says, please. And he says he's begging, which super are super polite. Oh, yeah. And he's on his hands and knees. He's begging. He's being, you know, almost crying, 
wanting to to uh, actually have Yorumakun be his grandchild. And they reiterate this, and this is one of the things that I really found troubling throughout it, is they constantly reiterate throughout it his his triggers on why he can't say no. Yeah. It's like, okay, first couple episodes, I get it. But every single yeah. episode, eh, you're kind of pushing it a little too much, and that's where it's kind of kind of lost me. Now it does have its funny moments. Uh for me personally, one of the characters I found completely hilarious, especially around seven or eight, was uh Clara. And the reason why I say ah. seven or eight is because uh, during that those episodes, you, you can go to school, you, you, you're taking classes except for demons and it's magic. She wants to become a succubus. So that way, Iruma looks at her and only her. Well, her, her attractive rate is 2%, which is less than a baby. Her, her, yeah. she, she's more pure than a baby. Or less attractive. Or so both. The way that they're able to, or yeah, true, or both. The way they're able to <laughs> tell this is you have a succubus teaching this class. And the teacher has the ability to find out someone's, I think it was either sexiness or attractiveness. I forget which one it was. And so we're about to come to my favorite character. And my favorite character isn't any of the big three, because you have Iruma and Clara and Alice. Oh, Alice. Yeah, I was going to say, I forget the third one, because it was a super long name. But um, Alice is the, the short, more common version of it. Actually, the, the short, more common version of it is as A-Z-Z. Oh, and I thought it was like Asmodeus or something like that. Well, yeah, his name is Asmodeus, but Clara calls him Azaz. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, so my favorite character, uh, <laughs> also in the same class as Clara for this particular thing, for the average person, I would say has zero, if not negative sex appeal, it is a glorified starfish. Maybe uh, with one I, eye. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, they never named her, but she thinks she definitely thinks she's hot stuff. And her score was just blurred out it's because so it was blurred. no, not even so high that it's blurred. It was so bad that it blurred. I don't know about that. I think it was too high because the reaction, the succubus lady was like, how can it be that high? And <laughs> every every scene she is in, it is a, almost a hundred percent about her being sexy. Like she's wearing this this skirt that is, I would say, conservative for her body type. And when the wind blows, she goes, "Oh, you naughty, naughty wind!" <laughs> and <laughs> you're like, I, "Okay, no, no so one wants I, to see that." Like, I, what's going I, on here? I know what I know what it is. I know why. It's an a matter Why? of how you view yourself and she uh, thinks that she is hot stuff oh she thinks she is like lava hot and, and she is far is, I, from it i mean uh i mean like i would equate this to maybe your level of attractiveness i'm just saying <laughs> you mean completely undeniable yeah yeah no i understand that <laughs> yeah whatever uh, helps you sleep at night <laughs> but it, 
it, it just baffles my mind because the, it's a running gag and it's honestly refreshing because whenever she comes around which isn't often i think it's maybe eight times or nine times total where she has like talking lines and every single time it's about her like oh you naughty thing or uh just being bashful yeah and she is very uh very infatuated with herself and how she looks too in fact she's so infatuated with herself that towards the last few episodes uh she runs into an invisible wall and there's this uh, lipstick mark there and she jumps up and she's obviously happy with the lipstick mark that she left. Uh, so much so that everywhere she ends up hitting into this uh, invisible barrier wall, it leaves that lipstick mark. It, it was a tense situation comic break. And yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any reason why she's my favorite other than she is. Look, maybe her charms worked on me. Who knows? That is a very good possibility. You have some questionable <laughs> taste sometime. Well, you know, things it, things are okay that way. True. True enough. I <laughs> but that you know, again, that's why I like uh I I like Clara. For me, she was that comedic break. Right? That's understandable. Well, she was also like I have no idea why she has zero or two percent attractiveness. It, it makes no sense because physically attractive, she's I guess decent as far as monsters go. She is a little annoying and immature. I will give her that. But her power, come on, you can't wish for a better power. As has fire, she can create whatever you want. You will never have a need ever when she's around because she can replicate anything she's seen. I want to say perfectly. Yeah, basically. One of the reasons why the shopkeeper hates her, because if she can see it, he's obsolete, which makes no sense to me because she goes and buys stuff from him all the time. Because, you know, at, at her core, she really does care. And towards and at the end of the episode, when the succubus teacher looks at her again, when she's walking away, and this is why I say it's in how you view yourself. When she's walking away, she goes, I don't know what changed about her. I don't know what what caused this change, but now she's at a 10%. Hmm. I just thought it was maturity, but that makes sense. I, I guess I could see that. But I always, like, in the grand scheme of things, I always saw Clara go with as more than anything else, you know, as far as love interests go. Yeah. Like, I, I saw her marrying as not... <laughs> not a well, yeah. you know, it's what's funny is she is completely infatuated with Iruma and and rightfully so because unlike everyone else, Iruma didn't care that she would give him stuff, that she could replicate things. She actually just wanted to play with her. Clara unfortunately has a really bad backstory, really sad backstory, I should say, where everyone thought she was annoying. But the fact that she could create stuff and give them what they want was enough to get them to pretend to be her friend. And it was sad. And then when Irma came along and she's like, hey, we should play. She doesn't really give him a choice. And she goes relatively hard in the playtime. And he's like, all right, fine, let's do it. Because again, it goes, he can't say no. And you're like, okay, that's whatever. Again. Yep. At the end right after 
Like he's done playing. He goes, Clara, you don't have to give me stuff anymore. I do not want you to give me stuff. And she goes, all right, fine. I just, I just really wanted to play with you. And then Irma goes, I don't mind playing with you. I just don't want you to keep giving me stuff. I don't need it. I'll gladly play with you. And that was, I guess, her turning point. And that's what made her, I guess, fall in love. Well, the thing is, is when, when they're playing and they had been playing for a few days and she gives them drinks or treats or anything else and they, they'll take it, but it's not a lot. Um, she overhears the people that usually come to her asking for drinks say, yeah, he's just going to get tired of her just like everyone else does. And this and that and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, basically talking trash about her and she hears, and that's what really spurs her to go up to him and just like, I'll give you candy. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. I'll give you everything you want, all of this stuff. And that's really at that point, he goes, I, I don't want it. I don't want all this stuff. I just, I want to play. I just want to have fun. I, I really enjoy your company. Thank you. And as does too, actually, you know, he's actually having fun with Uruma and Clara. <laughs> what, I, what I will say, which was kind of funny, was everyone who comes in Uruma's circle of, of friends, if you will, they don't really do so by, by design, by like their own free will. It's very weird in a main character kind of way where he sucks everyone of importance in. For instance, uh, how did he meet Asmodeus? Do you want to say it or do you want me to? Uh, by all means, go ahead. All right. One of a really, really, really funny, most one of the funny standout parts of this whole dynamic, right? So he gets to be day one. He shows up. He is the grandson of sullivan who also happens to be the school chairman so that in itself is like well shit <laughs> my grandpa is the principal more more important than the principal and the, the chairman's fawning all over him in front of everyone and asmodeus comes from a noble family who is super i, I guess noble and elite like asmodeus walking on campus day one of school is still perceived to be probably grade three or four higher than everybody else. Just straight up, that's his his uh, his lineage. That's what's expected of him. That's where it's going to be. And he, of course, makes perfect marks and is the top student. And he is scheduled to make the speech for the the entrance students, right? Or the students' entrance entrance assembly, I guess. And Sullivan goes, actually, I want the new kid, my son or my, my grandkid to make the speech instead. And he can, Iruma completely gets side blind or, you know, blindsided by it. And he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And Sullivan gives him a letter. He says, just read this. You'll be fine. So he goes up there and he opens it up. He goes, I can't read any of this. Like, I don't understand it. And he looks around and Sullivan goes, goes, read it, read it. And so he reads it. And it's in a foreign language, of course, not English, not, not Japanese or anything like that. And each word gets a reaction from all of the, all of the school. And there, <laughs> the, before you find out what it's for, you, you just assume that he's cussing and he's, he's calling everybody out. Well, and it's not even that you would assume that. He's just saying something and everyone's cheering or acting in shock and terror or fear. 
at every word that he's saying, only to find out that it's a forbidden uh, spell. Yeah. That if you say it wrong, you blow up. Yeah. If you say one word wrong, you self-destruct. The the positive end of that is, is that it's a even though it's a forbidden spell and you have the potential to die, you will not fall down for one day. Yeah, you won't trip. That that's what that was for. And he walks off the stage, and Asmodeus is understandably upset, just straight up. I can't believe you stole my thunder and you did something so reckless. Meanwhile, Sullivan's all like beaming and happy. And he doesn't Iruma doesn't understand the the severity of what he's done, essentially. And Asmodeus decides to challenge him a little bit later. No, not not even a little bit later, like right after the hall, he challenges him, and it's still day one after the assembly. And because of Iruma's upbringing, they he's able to dodge everything. Yeah, well, that's when you find out his let's call it special skill. He had to dodge being hit. And, and kicked and abused essentially so he gained an extra sensory like i can't be hit if i don't want to instinct let's call it and asmodeus who is super strong and, and super pristine is throwing all these crazy spells at him and iram was just dodging you you can't be hit it's in nuts and so all the while he's like i don't want to fight we don't got to do this and and asmodeus is like why don't you fight back what's wrong with you and he charges him and as Asmodeus is charging, he throws another fireball and it it misses Iruma and almost hits this one random girl that is a reoccurring random girl who falls in love with, with Iruma for saving her, yeah. but never really sees him again. It's weird. Anyway, the tripping spell is still in effect and Iruma runs into Asmodeus on accident and starts to fall over. But because of the spell, instead of tripping, he ends up suplexing <laughs> Asmodeus. <laughs> and of course, that right there, a full-on German suplex, just straight up, perfectly performed. Some kid from the newspaper takes a picture, and that's what's plastered on every newspaper around. And later, you find out that this duel wasn't an ordinary, normal stakes duel. It wasn't the victor gets to walk away and the loser you know, hangs his head in shame. It was uh, the loser has to be the slave of the victor. And Irima did not realize that until the next day when Asmodeus comes up and goes, hey, I'm your slave from now on. I'll be happy to do so. You have bested me in combat and I am yours forevermore. And that basically sums up episode one uh, as well, which imagine that episode one and you're already that in the well. I was already hooked when I saw that. I was like, "Ooh, if they keep if they keep this level of energy and this level of surprise out, I'll be happy." Because also in in episode one, they 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 sing the school anthem, which is essentially, "I'm going to eat every human." Yeah, but also keep in mind that no one there, with the exception of a select few, believes humans actually exist. Well, yeah, it was weird. Like they they treat humans like a myth. Which makes no sense to me because there you can cross over into the human realm, no problem. You can be summoned into the human realm, no problem. Well, yes and no. But again, you know, that's why they also have like the demon uh, border patrol type thing for the otherworldly. So you have these group of individuals that know about it. 
But most people don't because it is a tightly kept secret because they don't want people freaking out or, or doing anything else because, you know, there could be all kinds of issues and problems. I mean, like in, in general, all the humans would be able to, in effect, summon all the demons and make all the demons their slaves, even if it's for a year and cause the demons to fight each other, which would be futile. I don't know. I'm I'm liking that. I just imagine Pikachu. I choose you. What the hell is that? It's Godzilla, but I call him <laughs> Pikachu. Uh, Where did you get him? I summoned him. What now? Yeah. What now? Well, you know, just like aside from the from the details of how and where and what <laughs> he is, just know that uh, you're boned. Just throwing it out yeah. there. Just, just getting yeah. it, right, getting right out there. You're boned. Period. End of story. And in order to hide his human, I guess, body, he gets dumped in this pheromone that makes him smell like an ordinary demon. Yeah. And he's always, it's like first five episodes, I want to say, he's always on hinge that someone's going to find out he's human and then eat him. Come to find out that human blood actually heals demons, like straight up magic elixir style. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, his Maybe. does. His does. But we don't know because at the end, he's completely different from from the entire thing. With Like the last 30 seconds of the episode, yeah. he is completely different. I would. Yeah, that was that was. Hmm. That was a twist. That was a twist. Additionally, so- it, let, let me point this out. Because he's not able, at least to his knowledge, to use magic, right? And he ends up getting this ring, this ring of greed, and it has Sullivan's magic power in it. Well, no, which, it, it, not originally. Not originally, the, but he does get it. All mag- yeah, but the ring of greed sucks in all magic energy without fail. And Sullivan has enough magic to sate the desire of the ring. Right. So here's my thing. Right before he even had that episode one, he reads out a spell. That's true. He reads out a spell, and he's able to to successfully use said spell. Is it potentially because it's a forbidden spell? Is it maybe that the high cost of if you say it wrong, you can die? That it'll work for anyone, like potentially, because all the rest of the spells they use don't have these these um incantations i was gonna say ramifications but yeah incantations too but a lot of them actually do have an incantation yeah i was gonna say they have the one word you use but they don't have the repercussion of if you do this wrong you're gonna die right but even still i mean like that's unique he shouldn't be able to use magic in general and yet he does day one that one particular time yeah Every other time he was using Sullivan's magic. But again, I think it falls back to the classification of that magic. It's considered forbidden, maybe because nobody needs magic to use it. It's an incantation that that gives power unto itself by the risk you give. Like, we don't really know where magic comes from or how to utilize it. So true. But then again, also, everyone there has magic. Some have almost no magic, but they still have magic nonetheless. Fair. And yeah, you there you do achieve a hierarchy of sorts due to your magic, which is a very, very large focal point of the second half of the 
the series of the second series. But yeah, no, I just I always thought that everything they did in there was hilarious. They they put a very dark spoof. And by dark, I mean, like when they originally introduce something, it's dark and, and, and brooding and, and, and terrifying. And then when it's revealed what happens, it completely subverts your expectation. And you're like, wait a second. That's what that is. Dear Lord, like forbidden text. So head of security in the school is this tall, red haired chick. Uh, class Gorgeous. president. Class president. Yeah. Gorgeous chick by every standard on the demon scale. And this girl has a weird sense of, uh, I'm going to call it purpose because she comes across these little, I'm going to call them teeny bopper demons destroying a wall. And she goes, how dare you destroy school property like that? If you're going to do it, you do it like this. And she kicks the wall and it just destroys everything. She goes, if you're going to destroy something, do it properly in the name of a demon. And she successfully works out that Iruma is uh, human because she herself has what they call forbidden texts. Not forbidden spells, forbidden texts. In other words, uh, these forbidden texts are manga. Yeah. And she hides them in her in her office, essentially, behind a bookcase that she pulls a book forward and it slides away. And she goes, these are from the human world. And these do this and these do that. But I have no idea what they say because I've never been able to read it before. Maybe Iruma could. So she summons him. And everything that happens in the anime or in the manga is happening here. Uh, kind of. Kind of. But then also at the same time, it's what she really wants to try and reenact. Because she's yeah, infatuated it's all in with her head, it. I would say. Yeah. And she's infatuated with Iruma because he's able to read them and he's acting out the scenes for her in a matter of speaking, at least vocally. He also, ironically, the texts that she's reading, he helped write. <laughs> yep. The, the, I forget what portion of the, the development part approached him. It was like, Hey, would you mind helping? And of course it goes back to the whole, he never said no. Cause he couldn't. And so he helped create the manga that she's reading. So he already knows what's going on and where everything's going. And it's really funny to hear him narrate. I, I did enjoy that little subplot. And that's the chick I think deserves to be with Iruma. Yeah. Her dad is head of border patrol security. She's the head of um, the school president. And he, in every opening scene, you can see someone sitting on the demon throne and you look at, it looks very, very similar to him with the ring, with the hair, with everything. And there's a prophecy that says that the demon king will be able to heal demons Vaguely, it says that. And so as you're watching, you realize, yeah, this is Tim. This is the one that they're talking about. This is just his journey to get there. Yeah. And then at the end of the series, it's most definitely, yeah, it's him. It's like, well, there's no, no, see, at the end there's the no series, question it about weird. it. At the end of the series, like it was a full on twist. The entire time you're, you're watching it, Irma is very kind, very respectful, very on top of things, very humble. The last 30 seconds, it goes something along the lines of he actually wanted to be here. His And, and then uh, Sullivan comes in saying, hey, I made breakfast for you. What's going on? And you hear him go, shut up, old man. And you're like, wait, what? And then you look at him. His eye color changed. His voice changed. His hair color changed. Like his eye shape changed. 
And you're like, whoa, he, he was a great demon. Like, what happened? He didn't evolve. He, like, he, and for some weird reason, Urima always has a amazing, an amazing Goku style appetite. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that is never, never stopped all the way throughout, which is a running gag all the way throughout. Well, what I thought was quite funny is they actually tried to, for lack of a better term, make fun of it to where uh, we, when he's ranked the lowest of the demons in the, in his ranking because he wasn't technically able to show his magic capability, um, he was ranked number like the lowest. And as the lowest, you're only allowed certain foods from the cafeteria. Well, people one rank above him were like, we're going to give him the worst crap we can and just loaded him up with like a hundred different servings and he's like sweet free food and he gobbles it all down and they're like whoa let's uh let's not do that again you didn't have the desired effect which was great it was it was good it was a good it was a good turnaround in 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 that he didn't let it get to him he just saw it as a perfect opportunity to stuff his face because he didn't know when he would be able to eat again yeah and now what I what I kind of got away from this was this is how demons are. This is what demons do. And a little bit later, you find out that one of his classmates is an undercover pop star, essentially. And the reason that they have undercover pop stars is to release all the negative pent up aggression that demons so that don't necessarily suffer from that demons get. The reasons that we see demons as people, as evil beings, is these things are negative they have these these pent up aggression that that they that they unleash upon the world essentially but with their new civilization and these new pop stars this is another way to release that negative emotion and feeling better it's basically they they're able to throw a tantrum or go to a concert release all of their stress up everything yeah stress and they're happy as a daisy again yeah although i would argue that they're not secret pop stars or pop idols the only one that is secretly being a pop idol is this character uh kuruma i believe is her name yeah it was weird i couldn't i couldn't i heard it many times i just can't replicate it well they were flip-flopping in between like two two to three names for her all the way throughout when you actually did actually get a name so it kind of threw and it was only for two episodes too it was like two three episodes and then that was it but anyway, so I thought that that was the the way the demons were, and I was wrong. Season two focuses on a demon that has no magic energy, and when Iruma is looking for a battler you, to you join, you mean the second half, not second season. The, sorry, second half. Yes, I apologize. So uh, when Iruma was looking for a battler or a a club, if you will, they have different names for for funny things. Um, but anyway, so Irma's looking to join a club because apparently you're supposed to. Um, ironically enough, Clara joins the succubus battler or the succubus nah, club. She she well, wants she, to join, but yeah. Irma and uh, as say basically dissuade her from that. So that's a no. And what they end up doing is they end up joining the exact same magic, uh, or not magic, but the same battler that Iruma Kun wants to join which is the magical apparatus battler or the magical apparatus club and the head of that club has little to no magic he's able to make barriers that are able to be near impregnable 
but he's got a collar on that's been absorbing his own demonic magic for a very long time. And you get to see it from his point of view where people of his stature, people of his magic capability are looked down upon because they'll, they'll never progress from the lowest grade of demon ever. And it, it, you see how, how upset and how unfair this, this power structure is now with that, you also find out what kind of demon he is. You only find that out in, in I'm going to call it his finale when he's found out to be a, a, a not so nice person, a bad person, let's call it. Um, and you find out that he is what is considered to be an original mentality of a demon who thrives in despair and disgust. And he was talking about how as a kid, um, he had no magic, basically. And his friend also had no magic. And his friend was picked on relentlessly. And when he tried to help his other friend, um, the bullies essentially ripped something valuable off of his friend and threw it in the river. Well, he used his, um, I don't know, what do you even call it? Glass shield? The barrier. Um, he simply barrier. calls it barrier. And he does it oh, okay. to try and, and save it, but he breaks his concentration. And so it breaks and falls in the water. And when he looks at his friend, his friend is completely distraught and and full of despair over this trinket that was felt that had fallen because it was a memorabilia for uh, her grandmother but for him oh when he saw that face of despair it got him excited he loved it was it. euphoric oh yeah it wasn't just the fact that this trinket was lost it was that it was lost saved and then lost again like that's what got him to feel some kind of way and then when he was like to replace your thing, he ripped off his own horn and tried to give it to her. And the look on her face was sheer and utter disgust. And he felt, I don't know if it was erotic, but he felt wonderful. Oh, I would definitely say erotic. And this is where the comedy portion of it really disappears for like almost two episodes. Yeah. They, they do have a little bit of comedic relief. But it basically disappears for a couple of episodes. Yeah, it, it and, goes, and it, they go hard in the paint. Yeah, they, they go hard. Real serious, real quick. And that's honestly where it kind of lost me. It was like, you're you're having fun all the way throughout, and then it just goes stone cold hard, and then it tries to lighten it up a little bit more again towards the end. It does not do a good job. No. Uh, you could definitely tell the last few episodes at least for me, felt rushed. You think so? I would say that it definitely feels felt a little rushed. Like, they were getting close to the end. They wanted to wrap it up and get to that cliffhanger ending for, for him and, and just kind of write it off like that. Because that's basically what the last episode was anyway, was a lead up to, I'm comfortable in this life and I'm happy here and blah, 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 blah. And then it ends with, the last 30 seconds of him going, hey, old man, what do you want this early in the morning? I didn't think it was rushed. I thought they they had a nice conclusion. I do think they had 
one maybe two filler episodes that were not needed at the end like they were just trying to fluff it to make it last long enough and then they realized their mistake and then threw a bunch at the end yeah but i don't think it was i don't think it was rushed in the sense of other anime we've encountered true true enough <laughs> fair enough well with all that being said sir i think this is a great spot to give a rating on a scale of yeah. up to 10 how would you rate this my rating i actually enjoyed this i would watch this again and i would encourage all of you to watch it my rating would be a nine it's wow. got decent animation it's got a good funny light-hearted plot and it's being dubbed right now which is kind of cool um and i it just it is something that i hope gets a second season i hope they continue with this not necessarily as long as naruto ran but i think one or two more seasons of it not 24 um thing run but like another 24 episodes and i'm sure you could probably progress with some time skips to reach the final hey i'm the demon king now you know yeah yeah I, I would be satisfied with that i don't think they should have it run on too much longer but i would definitely definitely would like to see a progression all right so what about well, you uh i actually gonna go a lot lower than you how what by a lot are you talking one two or uh, three lower than you i'm going with a six. Oh, i'm just joshing yeah really? no i'm going oh, okay. with a seven i'm matching last <laughs> I was- week's <laughs> i was gonna say wait a second i thought you had some good things going there yeah no it was great it was good it really lost me during the last like five or six episodes though uh, that that's where where i kind of felt betrayed during the last five or six episodes it was great and then it just kind of tapered off that's yeah. why i gotta go with the seven animation's good uh kind of vaguely reminds me a little bit of um soul reaper really the animation at least for how they uh present the score oh okay i was gonna say like i was trying to think like that soul reaper had a really dark dark ending like they didn't go this yeah no i I was talking about just the animation style just a little bit for the school not much else it was clean animation it was good it was very comedic up to a point it felt like they kind of stumbled a little bit trying to recover and then just wrapped it up. I could see that. Overall, hmm. not yeah. not disappointed. I do like you recommend others uh others uh watching it. So, next week is your choice. Alrighty, so my I'm gonna go off script a little bit here. And my next choice is uh <laughs> uh Bafuri? Bafumi? Bafuri? I know I'm not saying Bafuri, yep, that's it. It's relatively new. Uh, see, it's a new series, and uh, I think it finished. I hope it did, and uh, it's something we've actually been talking about on Discord. So I think it might be interesting to to get a hot take. Oh yeah, from on that. Oh yeah, no, Bofuri. Uh, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Uh, it actually did just wrap up. Uh, it's twelve episodes long. Uh, it's. No, no real known producers. It's a studio Silverlink. I I know that it's an action adventure comedy fantasy sci fi. Uh, so yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Good I like choice. it. I, I like I, it. I, I look forward to binge watching it. To be honest. All right, there you go. 
Right on. Well, if you enjoyed this week's uh, show, if you have any recommendations, like a a little bit of feedback from you, let us know what you would like us to watch. And uh, if you have any comments, suggestions, anything at all, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us at featuredanimepodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, contact us on our Discord. That information is in the show notes. Or you can tweet at us at thoseanimeguys. And we are on Facebook at Featured Anime Podcast. Until next time, I'm Jack. And I'm Rick. (laughs) We'll see you later. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.